Dear friends in our Lord, where deep for us the spear was dyed, life's torrent rushing from his side, to wash us in the precious flood where flowed the water and the blood. So these are the words that we just sang in the second verse of our sermon hymn, the rather vivid words to be sure. In fact, they quite fill some of our senses, don't they? The sight of a spear dyed by crimson blood as it's removed from deep within the victim. The sound of the, quote, Russian uh, torrent rushing from his side. Imagining ourselves as close to the foot of the cross as somewhere we can almost feel, can't we? Feel ourselves being sprinkled by the water and the blood that issued forth from his side into the open air on that Jerusalem hillside. Surely the picture that we behold in our minds, it's worth to us far more than a thousand words. For these four short lines of verse contain for us an entire theology. During this Lenten season, we've been guided in our meditation of the the crucifixion, the death, the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ by his precious wounds. The wounds of our Lord Jesus Christ, his holy hands we've considered, his nail-pierced feet. These we've considered thus far. Tonight, we turn our attention to that pierced side of our dear Lord the pierced side of our Lord. And this particular wound of our Lord, it's rather unique. It's it's unique for a couple of reasons. The first, this is the only one of his wounds recorded for us that his holy body sustained after he had given up his spirit to his father and died. Post-mortem. The issue of the water and the blood remains certifiable testimony that Jesus Christ had, in fact, died. But it's unique in this sense also because the infliction of this wound is recorded only by St. John. Only by St. John. Why? Because he was the only one of the apostles there at Jesus' side to witness it all. In this most unsettling time, all the others had sought their security in the shadows in the shadows and far away from Christ's side, not there below his cross. But John was there. John was there, and and being an eyewitness to it all, this is what he wrote. He wrote, The soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and and of the other who were, were crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. Consider John's heartache. His heartache as he beheld the sights of Jesus being lanced as he heard the sounds, as he possibly felt that spray issuing forth from his Lord's side. Wasn't it only hours before that John had been reclining at table with his Lord there, celebrating the Passover with him? In fact, John reports in his account of the Gospel that he'd been right there at his side, reclining at table with him. And now, behold, less than 24 hours have come and gone, and the Lord of life is dead, and his lifeblood is draining from that precious side. Or consider also the heartbreak of Jesus' mother, who with John stood there at at her son's nail-pierced feet. She was seeing the same sights, hearing the same sounds, very possibly feeling the the same things that John did, standing there in full view of his pierced side. 
I can imagine that it must have seemed to her not so very long ago that she, she had held her, her dear son, then an infant very close to her side, now seeing his arms outstretched on the cross. Perhaps it quickly took her back to a time when she used to greet him, arms outstretched, and then embrace his little infant, his little toddler frame as he came running to her. Maybe then she recollected that holy night in Bethlehem when she first cradled him close to her side. Perhaps she then recalled bearing that little child to the temple to be circumcised, to be presented there, which perhaps could have brought to mind one of the first times then that her little son left her side when she handed her newborn boy over to that prophet Simeon, who was there waiting for him in the temple, whose eyes, according to the Lord's promise, saw in that boy the salvation that God had prepared for all people. And then I can imagine that all at once, those long ago spoken words of Simeon, that prophet must have echoed throughout all the chambers of her mind and deep down into her heart when she recalled what he told her then. He told her, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. And yes, he said, a sword will pierce through your heart also. And how it must have pierced her to see it all there now come to pass. But as I said, so many didn't see it. So many didn't see it. They didn't see it because they weren't there. When it appeared that the situation was well out of control, they sought refuge not at the Lord's side, not at his cross, but elsewhere, everywhere else. And friends, I'm afraid that as we consider our own tendencies, I don't think we can say that we do much better than the way that the disciples tended. Of course, the situations aren't the same, but the doubt is the same. The doubt fostered by our situations, it's the same. Whether it's as we consider our health or our wealth, perhaps as we contemplate the security of things in the workplace, in the workplace especially these days, or the stability of things at home, whether desperate prayers, those for ourselves, those for others, seem to go and, and to be returned unanswered, not to be returned at all. Our natural tendency when we, get, when we, we sense in life that things are beyond our, our control, our natural tendency is to seek refuge in all other places but at Christ's side. Fear over faith gets the, gets the better of us, just as it did for Peter. Peter, one minute our confession is as bold, as bold as his insisting that we'll be at the Lord's side, come what may, Lord, even if all others forsake you, he said. You can count on me. Even if all others forsake you, Lord, even unto death I'll be there at your side. And then so soon we're acting as, as if we never even knew him, carrying on in the courtyards of life, as if there were never, ever any security in being known by him. And sometimes fear gets the very best of us, just like it did Judas. And we tumble headlong into despair, refusing to believe. Refusing to believe, refusing to see, despite appearances, that our Lord is most certainly in control and orchestrating and working together all things for our ultimate and our eternal good. He is. He most certainly is, just as he was even there fixed to the cross, even in our day today, he most certainly is working all things together for our good.
But as I say, just as he was there fixed to the beams of the cross. For even there, with his dying breath, our Lord attended to the welfare of his heartbroken mother, committing her to the care of his heavy-hearted disciple. A loving son was he, honoring his mother. But with this he was doing infinitely more. For just as a man shall leave his father and his mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh, so you see it was there on the cross that Christ, the bridegroom, having left his heavenly father, and now having left his mother in the care of his disciple, John, our Lord Jesus, there bound himself to his bride, the church. From his side would her life be drawn just as it was for the very first bride, Eve. Recall, it was as the first Adam was in his deep sleep that the Lord removed from his side that which would give life to Adam's bride. In the very same way, so it was that when the Christ, the second Adam, fell into the deep sleep of his death, that God, by the agency of a soldier's spear, brought forth from the side of his son that which would give life to Christ's bride, his church. For you see, as the spear was thrust in, ensuring death, water and blood flowed out, his water, his blood flowed out, ensuring to us life. Life in the water baptismal, life in the blood sacramental at his holy supper. There's a beautiful saying that comes down to us from the Christian church of antiquity, and it goes like this. From the side of Jesus, as from the open doors of life, have flowed forth the holy sacraments of the church. Beautiful saying. And the church has been confessing this throughout the ages, both in in its sights and in its sounds. Right here, in our own place of worship, right here, that that blood and water sacramental truth is so beautifully depicted right there in our crucifixion window. That crucifixion window in the early morning hours, with the rising sun behind it, behind that window, the, the artistic expression, so thoroughly thought out and planned by those informing the artist of the window and masterfully crafted into the window by him. It's brilliant, it's vibrant in the with the morning sun behind it in that faceted glass. Then in the morning, maybe even more so than in in any other part of the day, it's clear to see what the artist and the committee had worked so carefully together to portray. You see, from the side of of the figure of the Christ in that window, a bright and a vibrant blue, together with a deep crimson, runs in a loosely braided fashion down the lower vertical beam of the cross. Together, though they're together, the bright blue and the deep crimson, they never do mingle. And then at the foot of the cross, the bright blue representing the water from Christ's side, it cascades off into one direction, where it seamlessly continues into the image of a baptismal tide. And it's accented by the the scriptural phrase, baptized into his death, linked to Christ's by our baptism into his death. The the deep red from the cross, representing the blood of Christ, streams down at the foot of the cross off into the other direction, cascading downward until it finds its way to the communion chalice. And next to the chalice, the words of our Lord, given and shed for you. Beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to see how very much in control 
our loving Lord is, making life out of death, making life out of death. You see, even in the mechanical and thoughtless act of a soldier carrying out his given orders, the God of the universe, the Lord of every minute of life, was carrying out that which he had ordered and which he had ordained from all eternity. Christ was pierced for us, indeed for the whole world. Pierced for us on the cross, the fruits of his crucifixion now delivered to us. Through these sacraments of water and of blood, wherever in the world his water and blood in sacrament flows. For it's by his design that until the, the last day, they themselves, the water and the blood, they testify of Christ and of his work. It's not my own invention, this, this thought. It's, you know who, who wrote it? It's the word of the apostle who witnessed it all happen. John. John, in his epistle, by inspiration of the Spirit, writes this. He says, this is he who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And there are three, he says, that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, in the preached in the red word. The water in baptism, the blood in the Lord's Supper. And he says, these three agree. These three agree as they testify of the work of Christ. Finally, tonight, friends, consider this. Consider how... That wound still today preaches to us some 2,000 years now after it was first inflicted. As you consider that wound in his side, know this. That just as it did for the sake of doubting Thomas, that spear mark in his side, it remains in his side for you and for me. For doubters all. It remains for you and for me like it did for Thomas so that every time you feel doubt creeping in, you feel fear overcoming then in his word here the resurrected and triumphant Christ say it clearly to you he says reach your hand in here you who doubt reach your hand in here and put it into my side and be not unbelieving but believing and then in faith lunge into his side no not with your hand but by daily recalling the grace-filled water that flowed once from his side and now over your whole life in baptism. Lunge into his side by receiving the blood that flowed from his side and is now poured into the mouths and the hearts of his own in that holy supper. The pierced side of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no safer, safer refuge that we here find. In his blessed and his holy name, amen.